Hello and good morning and good afternoon from wherever you're calling in today. We want to welcome you to the next episode, episode four of Terminal's AMA series, where you can connect with the industry's brightest minds from some of the most innovative companies. And we get their thoughts on the ever-changing tech landscape and all things related to the future of work. Today's featured guests, we're excited to have VP of Finance at Mattermost, Anil Valarupali, in conversation with Terminal's Head of Business Development, Caroline Coble. But before I get to the host and let them introduce themselves further, I want to provide a quick reminder on the housekeeping items for today. All AMAs are recorded and, we, and will be available to view on YouTube shortly after the session concludes. We will have this AMA also available as a podcast if you want to listen while you're prepping tonight's dinner. Just search for Terminal AMA however you listen to your podcasts. During the registration process, a number of you submitted questions that Anil will get to today. But if you have additional questions over the course of the conversation, we encourage you to please type them into the Q&A Zoom function, and we'll get to as many as we can over the course of the call. Without further ado, I'll pass it over to Caroline, who will introduce herself and our special guest for today. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks, Dorian. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to our fourth Terminal AMA with Anil Valarupali. Um, I'm Caroline Koval, Director of Business Development for Terminal. And for those of you who aren't really sure what we do, um, Terminal, we're a, we're a remote teams partner. Um, and that means we help companies build, operate, and scale their international engineering teams, uh, predominantly throughout Canada and Mexico. Um, I'm so glad to, to have Anil joining us today. Um, I've always really valued his opinion. And I think he has a unique operational perspective on remote work, as you'll see throughout our conversation today. Um, so, Anil, can you tell us a, a little bit more about your background and also give us a, an overview of Mattermost? Sure. Everyone, uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the session. Um, yeah, so a little bit on my background. I spent uh, a few years in investment banking, specifically uh, by advising companies, technology companies, through buy-side or sell-side acquisitions. Um, predominantly focused on enterprise software during that time, also did some internet new media and some semiconductor deals. Um, after that, I spent a few years at a, uh, an insurance software company called Guidewire Software, where I led corporate development, strategic finance, and sales ops. Um, and I've now been at Mattermost for about a year and a half after spending about two years at a prior company called Mapbox, which was also an open source mapping developer focused company uh, that also did remote hiring as well in multiple countries and throughout, uh, throughout different regions in the US. Um, so at, uh, at Mattermost, we're actually an open source on-prem version of Slack, which is the easiest way to describe the product. Um, and uh, we are purely a remote first company, which I think um, is one of the main reasons I'm here to speak to you all. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you. So to kick things off, Anil, would love to get your perspective on really the current tech landscape and, and how it's being affected by COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely a difficult time for everyone out there right now. They're... Uh, they're is this is an unprecedented uh, event and scenario we're all going through. And so um, I don't think any one of us is gonna have the, the best um, perspective as to the, the long reaching impacts of COVID-19. But you know, some of the things that we are seeing right now, if we try to you know, see the forest uh, 
through the trees are we're seeing companies that you know are undergoing cost cutting efforts similar to you know the ubers and the airbnbs out there that are in the news um and i think you're seeing most of those companies impacted right now the most uh severely are ones that are consumer facing um obviously the hotel industry um obviously anything related to essentially an end user or an end customer who ultimately is not able to get out there and do those regular things they would be doing in their, in the, during their daily basis. Um, however, there are also some companies that are seeing some tailwinds uh, and some favorable impacts from, from COVID-19. And those are companies that are in remote work enablement. Um, that includes spaces like you know, internet traffic, hosting, collaboration software, and others like that are experiencing tailwind. And ultimately, you know, with, with, with COVID-19 and it being, you know, obviously global pandemic um, and ultimately putting us into, you know, as close to a recession, if not worse, right now for the time being, um, we're seeing an acceleration of trends in, um, in this recession, which are closer to um, things like remote work, which are closer to online, SaaS, and all those environments being favorably impacted. And so has this so far been a tailwind for Mattermost? Yeah, you know, I you know, I get that question a bunch, right? I mean, people see Microsoft Teams. Microsoft has actually been very uh, vocal about how their, you know, their usage is tripling, quadrupling. Um, they're getting more daily active users. And for us, we have seen tailwinds and there's going to be headwinds, right? Just like any company. Some of the tailwinds include, we have seen an increase in our adoption in terms of our downloads of our free product. Um, and there's usually a lag there between when someone adopts the free product and downloads and uses and then ultimately purchases down the road. So undetermined yet if there's gonna be a huge bump in our business from, from, from these tailwinds we're feeling, but we're seeing some positive trends for us. And, and ultimately, you know, we're very passionate about remote work and we're, we're happy that, um, and, and you know, ultimately very satisfied internally that our product can help people get their jobs done during this really trying time. Absolutely. So it's, it, it is clear you, you guys are passionate about remote work um, and that shows in your remote first model. So can you, can you walk us through that model in more detail and also how it has helped you scale effectively? Yeah, you know, if, to walk through the model is almost to give a little bit of insight as to kind of how this company started, right? And, you know, the company started here in Silicon Valley, um, actually originally as a gaming company, similar to Slack. And uh, quickly realized that their, the product they were using internal within the game, which was HipChat, was end of life. And so HipChat wouldn't provide the data to Mattermost for us to get our historical context. So Ian and our co-founder, Corey, our CEO and CTO, both said, hey, let's just build our own messaging system within, within our game. And so ultimately, it's created this, this, this awesome product but fundamentally, part of our DNA as a company is we're an open source company, right? So we have contributors that contribute monthly who don't earn anything financially from contributing to Mattermost, but they're very passionate about the project of Mattermost as an open source company. And so what that means is over time, um, it became uh, evident that we had a lot of contributors who wanted to potentially join our staff as well. And those contributors were all over the world. Right. And ultimately, for us being an open source company and being a remote staffing company, it was a strategic advantage for 
where you don't have many when you're such a small, tiny company in Silicon Valley, right? We couldn't necessarily back then attract the best top tier talent in Silicon Valley. And so it was literally an avenue for us to access top tier talent across the globe. Got it. Uh, love that. That's it's a it's a big part of Terminal's origin story as well. Is uh, you know we we were born out of Atomic, which is a uh, incubator uh, that founds and funds companies. And within the the Atomic group of portfolios, they realized it was just too hard to compete locally uh, for top engineering talent. So they realized the best way to to figure out their talent strategy is to to figure out remote work and and start hiring equally talented engineers throughout different markets in Canada and then we've we've since uh, you know expanded down into Mexico as well but same premise that if, as long as you're willing to to open up to the fact that talent really is everywhere and you just need to figure out how to connect with that talent um, you'll you'll really grow in a more e efficient way um, so similar story uh, for us. So it sounds like at Mattermost from the, from day one, you guys were open to distributed teams. There wasn't a, was there any push and pull internally of, you know, we well, have to have a team at HQ and we believe in that and maybe we can go distributed or how did that come to you be? You know, what's funny is there was never an HQ. We actually say our HQ is the internet, right? We, right. we, we live in our product and the vast majority of our communications at Mattermost happened through our product um, at Mattermost. And um, our CEO is very passionate about that. If you look at our website as to what is our, um, our mailing address, it's actually not even a physical address, right? It goes to PO box. So we are very much, we have, we have embraced remote as, uh, as a form of DNA of our company. And it actually, um, it impacts how we look at, you know, everything right? How we staff a company at our size and how we enable a company of our size from uh, specifically as being the leader of GNA at the company is very different than how you would, how you would support a company that's all in a specific office location. Mm -hmm. And so we actually operate, and it's a fun challenge for us in GNA because we actually operate um, almost like a much larger organization supporting all these folks across the world and our staff members across the world and entities example. Um, but it's, it's, it makes it very fun. And ultimately it actually, it makes it very rewarding to see people who are part of our community and contributing code to us to be able to join our staff. And, and how big is Mattermost today? How many employees? We're greater than a hundred staff right now and um, I've grown quickly over the last uh, about two years since I've joined. And I think you said you're across 18 countries as well. Yeah, we're in over 18 countries right now. Um, physical established presences through entities in a couple and contract to the majority of the rest. Well, I'm sure it does come with some, some operational challenges, which I know that was a question we got from the audience. So we'll address that later. Um, but thanks for, for all of that. Um, so let's do a crash course, a quick crash course in financial crisis management. You're the expert here. Um, you have an investment banking background. You've weathered a few recessions in your career. So give us the rundown. You know, how do you yeah. do financial management during a crisis? Well, I'll put it, there. let me caveat all of this by saying, I don't think I'm an expert at it. And I, I actually, I know I'm not an expert at it, but I've seen some things and worked with some great people who've, who've seen even more than I have, right? And, and so I think that's lend, it's lent a perspective for me to have as to, you know, what to focus on when we're going through 
I mean, you'd never say in the past, what do you focus on in finance when you're going through a global pandemic? I mean, who knows, right? It's never happened. Um, but through this, through a general financial crisis management, I think, you know, what I'm seeing a trend of in, in certain companies is companies are making quick decisions around financial concerns that are related to cash burn and runway, right? Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what's happening. And some of those companies um, should have potentially been paying attention to some of these things a little earlier on, right? Um, and some of them, it's almost, un, it would have been un, in, impossible for them to see this event, right? Companies like the Ubers and, and the Airbnbs, how could they predict that they're overnight, that their volume and their sales would, would drop significantly into the 50, 60% range, unheard of, right? And so I think the biggest thing that I've seen, especially, you know, I came in, uh, I, I worked in investment banking during the last recession. It was not a very good time to be an investment banker. I'll put it that way. I did. <laughs> and um, it was a lot of the companies I worked with were companies that were also struggling to find a way to even raise more funds, right? Because they had not paid attention as closely to their business model as potentially they should have when cash was much more easier to raise in a liquid market. And so I think the biggest thing that I've seen is strive not to make decisions out of fear, uncertainty, or panic, right? Those are the biggest things. It's an important, um, it's an important role as the finance leader in a company to be a steward of the shareholders and the long-term value of the company. And that doesn't mean that you panic and you cut costs here and there quickly. That means you actually, it's your job to help double click, understand what's our product and company strategy and align the strategy to investments. How are we investing in those products? How are we investing in this go-to-market strategy? And does that align with the current market we're feeling? Is, this, is, is the fact that people can't go to hotels gonna change how we think about selling to hotels, right? Potentially. So having those understandings of what your company and product strategy are, are, are key to everything, especially at a startup of our size where we're product led, right? The product kind of leads a lot of decisions around sales and marketing and GNA. And, and GNA is here to support those decisions. And so I'd say, you know, are we building products that resonate with customers? And then ultimately, is our go-to-market motion aligned appropriately with our product initiatives and vision um, to help monetize those customers, especially during this time, type of a, a global pandemic? Yeah, I love that. Like double click and, and make sure your product is, is a good fit and double down on, on that and, and making things more efficient internally rather than maybe right now focusing so myopically on growth as we all tend to in good times, you know, now is a, is a good opportunity to, to ensure that your product is well positioned for, for when we start to recover. Uh, so that's, that's great advice. Um, on that, kind of on that note, um, can you talk a little bit more about some of the efficiencies and advantages of like thinking through remote scale and, and staffing in a distributed way? Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's very interesting, right? For us, as I mentioned, we started out as an open source company. We also started out as a remote first company and we didn't start out like one of these startups in, in the Silicon Valley that raised $30 million before they had a startup, right? Ultimately, we actually, Ian, our CEO and our CTO co-founder did a fantastic job growing a business that was self-sustainable and showcasing traction before we went out then to raise funds. So, 
it was actually never um, a consideration to go hire out of this country because it's cheaper talent. It was actually literally, how do we speed the development, accelerate the development of our product by accessing top tier talent quickly? Mm -hmm. Where in Silicon Valley as a small company, it may take six, nine, 12 months to staff up an excellent team in engineering working on this new feature. Um, but if we have a community and a developer base that are around the world, um, we can deal with the challenges around communication, but ultimately it was about getting those folks to, to work as staff for us quickly versus waiting and trying to source uh, within the Valley. Yeah, a good analogy. I think, you know, many of us have heard for, for remote staffing is if you were you know, doing a draft and trying to recruit the best players for an NBA team or something, you wouldn't only recruit players or, you know, try to attract players in your metro area. Uh, right. You would look everywhere. You would look globally for the best players who are interested in, in being on your team. Right. And look, there's other, there's other, there's other metrics that, that allude to the efficiency of remote work, right? We're not a meeting centric culture, right? We do a lot of our communications asynchronously. So people are more productive. They have the ability to spend more time on their job than they would be going into meetings all day. Um, and, you know, we, you know, like I said, we don't have anyone popping up at someone's desk asking a quick question and taking a developer, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of a developer's time. Mm -hmm. it, it really is, there's efficiency beyond uh, just regions you're able to access. Love that so much. Um... So sh kind of shifting slightly, um, you're well connected to other CFOs and heads of finance and operations um, in the startup world. Would you mind sharing just an update on, you know, what you're seeing and how other, other financial leaders are adjusting uh, yeah. now given the times? Yeah, you know, um, I have many coworkers or CFOs of other companies also have, um, a, a good network of other CFOs and operating leaders that are not just in, in the Bay Area, but you know across different regions like the East Coast and EMEA. Um, and I feel like I'm seeing a consistent trend. Everyone is doing a deep dive into their operating model right now. And they're understanding what are we making, where were we previously investing? And it, does that align to our core competencies right now as a company? And now may not be the best time to, um, to put too much of your money or pot of money into a strategic initiative that has an unknown value creation um, that has a long-term advantage in 24 or 36 months. Um, but for every company, it's a little different, right? So I would say, while we see trends around, you know, larger companies that, you know, that have scaled really quickly to the multiples of thousands of staff and are doing some layoffs now. Um, I don't hear consistently folks doing layoffs from my network. I hear folks actually specifically going deep into their business model and understanding, are we aligned to this current environment? And if we have risks, where are those risks? And, and how do we make sure that we as a management team and as, 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 as stewards of the company voice those risks to our board and to our staff? Yeah, it's a, I think that that transparency factor is is key right now too, is uncovering, you know, where are our risks, where are we potentially exposed, and then communicating that to the board and, and employees is, is really important right now. Um, well, thanks. So we, we have 
just a, a, you know, a few minutes left here and we did get some questions submitted ahead of time. So I wanna make sure we address those. Um, one question we did get was, what do finance, finance leaders think is the new normal for, for staffing and recruiting as we come out of this? Right. Um, what I will say is, um, and I kind of mentioned this previously before, I, my belief, and you've heard, you've heard others like Warren Buffett and folks who are much smarter than I am talk about, you know, what happens during recession? And ultimately during recession, you see an acceleration of a trend that was already occurring. If it was occurring a little bit then, now we've kind of expedited it, right? And I think remote work is gonna be one of those. Um, ultimately, we don't know when people in every region across the world are going to feel okay with going back to the office and, or going into um, and resuming normal course of, of, of life, right? As we used to know it literally two and a half, three months ago. Um, and so ultimately I think companies that were not okay with staffing remotely are going to be more okay with it. And I think companies that were staffing remotely are now honestly gonna have more talent that they're gonna be able to access as well. And I think investors who are potentially on the fence with the, the, the challenges with supporting a remote company are now gonna accept it. So I think remote work is, is a trend that is going to accelerate and companies that previously were not thinking of it, ultimately, well, it is part of their, their strategy now. Yeah, and I think from, from our perspective at Terminal, you know, some companies we've been working with um, or who are thinking about building a team with us, they've kind of come back and said, oh, we, we've now seen a, a flood of applicants given the unfortunate layoffs in the market. And so we're considering those. But I think, you know, if I was in their shoes and you're already embracing this philosophy, you know, if, if I was in their shoes, I'd think, wait, we have now been forced into figuring out remote we've all had to figure out remote collaboration, working in a productive way in a, in a distributed environment. That technically means my talent pool has just expanded exponentially. Mm -hmm. If we are just open to you know, working with and hiring people in different countries, different markets. And so um, I do think that that will um, you know, expedite that trend towards um, hiring people everywhere because talent is truly everywhere um, and being right. able to scale more effectively that way. Right. Great. So, um, okay. Another question we got from the group here is um, some curiosity around Mattermost's focus on enterprise customers, um, how you guys made that work and, and why you decided to go that way. Yeah. You know, so you look at the kind of the value prop of Mattermost as a product. Why does Mattermost exist when there's already Slack and Microsoft Teams, right? Mattermost exists as, as an advantage right now. Our strategic advantage is that we are an open source product. So developers can see our code base and they can mm -hmm. contribute to our code base. And it actually makes it easier for them to build their own things on top of our code base and integrate other products or softwares into our code base. Um, and they have control over their data, right? So you um, are using Mattermost, you're, internal secret conversations are not being loaded to the web or hosted somewhere that may potentially be hacked, right? So you can control where you host your own Mattermost instance, whether that's on a server in your closet or whether that's on a single tenant AWS instance, you can choose, right? Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, you know, what that means is the strategic advantage of our product has meant that developers actually adopt us, not business users. Developers adopt us first at, at customers. 
and one developer adopts the product looking for a more secure or, or on-prem open source version of Slack and ultimately gets a team of folks using Mattermost at that customer. And at this point, they're using our free version, right? To a certain point, once they get up to 20, 30, 40 users, this one developer says, why am I being an IT admin for this product? I want to code and hands it over to IT. Then IT says, oh, wait a minute, we need SSO, SAML, LDAP, high availability. Those are all features that are required, that are, that are purchasable through our, through our paid SKUs and our paid products. And so that's kind of how we became um, a developer-focused enterprise software company. So it starts bottoms up with a developer using, and then ultimately with developers and IT folks paying. Got it. Um, definitely unique, I'd say. Um, okay, and I think this is a question that will tie back to some of our earlier conversation, but what are some obstacles you guys have faced uh, with distributed team management and how have you worked around those? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't call them obstacles. I'd call them challenges, right? And um, when you are a small, for, for all intents and purposes, we're a small company, right? When you're a little over 100 staff, um, it is not easy to support a company that is distributed in 18 countries, right? And so that's a challenge. It's not an obstacle, it's a challenge. And so how do we deal with, with that challenge? The challenge has to be part of your culture. It has to be part of asynchronous communications. It has to be part of less meetings because it's tough to get everyone um, in different time zones into all of these meetings, right? The, the challenge becomes, how do we as GNA best support these staff members so they feel enabled to do their best work every day? And that's a different challenge, right? So I think there's challenges that ultimately um, you support because we all believe this is building a better product, um, but it's challenges around GNA and supporting the culture of the company to enable it. And, um, and best uh, serve our internal customers, which are our staff. And so how do you guys, how do you manage asynchronous communication? Yeah, so we have, look, we have Mattermost, right? And we put channels in there, which are specific around sales updates, eng updates, product updates, cross-functional communication channels that are required around product initiatives or product rollouts. Mm -hmm. um, we also do a lot with, um, we do a lot of touch points. Right. Since I've come to the company, we've been able to hire um, a great uh, HR team that's able to spend some time and go out there and see how, how are folks doing. And that's one of the biggest things that I've seen during COVID-19 is we spend more time understanding how our staff doing right now. It's a troubling time. And it's different, not just in every part of the U.S. right now, which we're seeing. Different states are opening up at different times, et cetera. But it's completely different across the world. Right, so it's really important that we understand how our staff doing during this. We want to make sure people feel like they're they're in a good place, and that's the most important thing. Is you know, family health, and and when people are feeling good about their family and their health, and they then they feel enabled to do to do their job. Love that very much. Um, okay, we're gonna do one more rapid fire question. Hot take: What is the biggest mistake you see like CFO is making right now? Yeah, I think we alluded to it and, and discussed it a little bit earlier. I think the biggest thing is, is to not start with the details and in the weeds of every single dollar expense, right? I think it's actually to start with the strategy first. And there's obviously gonna be some things at every company that we can be more efficient with spend, period, always, right? I don't need this stapler. 
Why do I have this stapler, right? Just little things. But in reality, in the big picture, it's about the product strategy and the vision for the company and ultimately mapping the business model and the operating model to that. Um, and that's what I think some folks are, it, are seeing. They're, they're not able to see the forest through the trees right now because they're reacting to, to a lot of the unknowns and the fear and uncertainty. Well, that was great, Anil. Thank you so much. Uh, we're about a minute over here, but thank you very much for your time and for your candor um, and sharing your thoughts with us today. Uh, really enjoyed it and appreciated it. Um, and that's it for us. Thanks everyone for joining. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.